book, In Defense of Troublemakers, The Power of Dissent in Life and Business, on Thursday, April 12th, 7.30 p.m. at the Hillside Club, 2286 Cedar Street in Berkeley. There is wheelchair access at this KPFA benefit. I'm Chris Welch, and I get to host this outspoken defender of dissent, Charlan Nemeth. Tickets are at independent booksellers and online at brownpapertickets.com. Join us, won't you? April 12th, the Hillside Club for KPFA. Support dissent. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover, Open Book. Exciting bilingual English, Spanish, and even Spanglish poetry anthology, Poetry in Flight, Poesia en Vuelo, is now available. The beautiful book with its 69 poems by 56 fiery poets is edited by Francisco X. Alarcón, Eva Martínez, and Nina Serrano, with Harold Tereson. Poetry in Flight, Poesia en Vuelo, is published by Acción Latina, the nonprofit organization that produces the bilingual community newspaper El Tecolote, now in its 45th year. The cover art is created by the great local artist Juan R. Fuentes, and the book is designed by Adrián Arias. The foreword is written by the Poet Laureate of the United States, Juan Felipe Herrera. Today's program features nine of these fine poets and their work. Toda una vida Cuando uno baila con el viejo coyote Se compromete a la flor y al canto se gasta una vida con la moneda de la palabra florida. Allí, dicen, se encuentran lo negro y lo rojo, lo arraigado, la verdad, quién sabe. Se vive una vida, y si su flor y canto toma raíz en los corazones, es vida bien gastada. On being honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award by the City of Berkeley in May 2015. Thank you. 
a whole life. When one dances with old coyote, one commits to flower and song. A life is spent with a coin of the flowering word. There they say meet the black and the red, the rooted truth. Who knows? A life is lived, and if its flower and song take root in hearts, it is a life well spent. La luna llena llama a los inocentes muertos por la policía. La luna llena llama a los enamorados que deleitan en su luz. Y se dice que también llaman a los hombres lobos y los vampiros. Es cierto de los enamorados, siempre he sido de ellos. No sé de hombres lobos y vampiros. Viven entre nosotros. Son los más allá de la ley, que matan a inocentes. Dice nombre de la ley. No necesitan de la luna. The full moon calls to the innocent killed by police. The full moon calls those in love who delight in its light, and it is said it also calls the werewolves and vampires. It is true of those in love. I have always been of them. I know not of werewolves and vampires. They live among us. It is those beyond the law who kill the innocent, supposedly in the name of the law. They have no need of the moon.
My name is Renee Peñagovea, and my poem is entitled At Home, Para Dieguito. You were born at home, on a cinder block and plywood bed, on a hill that smelled so much of coffee it steeped your dreams. But you still wonder tremulously if that aroma memory can be true. And some pictures of it, your city, flash like furious moths, like after images against your eyelids, and you need another person to remember with you. To say, I too was there, when those men the color of raw sugar gripped their toes across the metal bar of the tall, tall, tall swing set in Dolores Park, their bird-thin shadows dancing liquid above the sand, and the congueros played on, implacable under the pendulous date palms, and the beautiful golden boys on their velvet beds of grass devoured the sky in those epidemic years. That disease only called at your doorstep when they told you, heavy-faced, that your preschool teacher had died. And they did say AIDS, softly, though, like snow. And when Hugh Masekela sang, Bring back Nelson Mandela, on the radio, on your way to spoon miso and tahini, out of cylinders at Rainbow, it was daytime. The popcorn clouds seeded with gold because your dad only worked nights, as needed but your parents could still raise their child in the belly, or more like the southern toenail of this glittering dragon city by the bay. Down by the ballpark before it existed, you skipped past trailers to get to TikTok, where they handed you a glazed donut and a cheese and pickle sandwich on wax paper, which you ate at a scarred desk in a tiny cabin under the Third Street Bridge with your dad, the bridge tender. Sometimes you did sleep there, on a wooden bed fastened to a wall, army blanket burritoed around you, the slap-slap of the water on the pilings thrumming dark and luxuriously. My city, my city, my city. In this city, snail trails remain, invisible mostly, but lustrous as glycerin to the rememberers. The library, where your sister made her debut at age five on a four-string guitar, your mom taught her, and you on the accordion, still stands, but it's re-sculpted, re-occupied, re-envisioned, and they whitewash Victor Hara's face and other hint there right off the wall and erase the newspaper photo of girl you marching outside the building, which in leaner times had to be defended by children with signs. So many photos were never taken, so many people sluiced away, and the choices seemed to lay there, bright as gleaming olives. Rage against gentrification on furious websites, carnal protests, or elusive ballots. Walk down 24th Street, simmering with bile as you shell out a dollar or more for a concha, and steal yourself because you are a native carajo. But what of those images that rise like sharp ash, like scream-bright flowers on oilcloth in the middle of the day? Maybe you can never go home again, but what if you stayed in your home up and left you? Your baby was born at home, in this narrow city, like your sister before him and you before her, and so your choice is clear and you must bear it and claim it your city. Not without silvery ribbons of sadness or full-throated pain or the occasional F the Elisac dancing hotly on your tongue, but for your son also, with a trumpet on carnaval morning, ink in el tecolote, words sweet as elote as you tell him about home. My name is Jeannie Zukov, and the name of my poem is When Women Are Trees. 
When women are trees, they breathe the world in and out. They know everything, and everything knows them. Every time they speak, life is easy. When women are rain, they leap between the clouds and earth. They know everything, and everything knows them. Every time they soothe the soil, life is easy. When women are lava, they rise up from the center of the world. Their blood circulates and creates and creates. They know everything, and everything knows them. Every time their love surges a rhythm, life is easy. When women are mountains, mother arms around the world, stable bones curving into hawked-winged skies, they know everything, and everything knows them. Every time they mediate, life is easy. When women are free, violence fallen away, wisdom healing generations of tyrant fears, they remember everything, and everything remembers them. Every time they laugh, life is easy. The following poem is written and read by Aurelia Lorca. The Heliopolis held 3,000 more passengers than capacity. She was the first ship to leave for Hawaii from Andalusia. How did they fit that many people? What models did they use? Bodies upon bodies, like a slave ship, except it was a slave ship. Fine human freight. The newspapers called them to break the Asian workforce. My grandfather's parents and his oldest brother, Juan, who was five years old, were escaping a kind of unfathomable poverty and oppression my father says I will never know, much less understand. There had been a famine, and the Spanish government allowed such taking of Andalusas, half-savage ordinarios y analfabetos with too much Moorish blood. The ship returned to port because there was not enough food other than bread and coffee brewed with salt water and the bones of arms and the swollen bulges of bellies crying with the pulse of filth and vomit in ocean. If I am quiet enough, I can smell the smells too, and it will make me angry instead of grateful. Mothers wrapping their children tight in blankets and fear. Stories of sick babies thrown overboard. The warmth of Hawaii was heat and anger. There was no land. It was a trick, indentured servitude, a nicer way of saying slavery. The pain in their stomachs never went away. They gambled onto another ship for California, the state with a made-up name, and were given a choice, Hawaii or deportation back to Spain. They learned not to cry. They learned how to make the rest of their children become American. There is no other way to say this. What about words? Words dreamt of and believed so strongly 
that by the time they reach generations, they believe they are true. Unfamiliar morphemes, strange sounds do not translate. My grandfather and his sisters and brothers would learn English, learn how to read and write a few words. They would learn anything, have American first names, though it would take them almost 40 years to have the papers to prove they were American-born. Don't talk about the past, they all would say. It was better than feudalism in Spain. It was all better than Franco in Spain. Don't talk about the past, though in 2014, the words communist, agitator, bootlegger are meaningless no longer subversive i want to get drunk i want to scream i want to scream for the dead all those who are lost to the history of the past and the present like my father i am named after my father's father instead of my mother's father just so i do not carry the curse of my great uncle's name juan Juan Henares. I will say his name in Spanish. I am not afraid. My grandfather and the rest of his siblings all had American names. They called him John, but only they were American. He was illegal, as if any human can be illegal. I can see him now, 112 years old, but not bent. A giant holding a cane more like a weapon than anything else, the way Belita, his mother, wore her rings. I can hear his laughs at our Americanness, how we sacrifice memory for the American dreams. Yet our duende is always with us, no matter how hard we aspire to achieve bigger, faster, more, build a wall, and no matter how hard we try to forget. He is all we do not speak of other than the language of shame, the language of silence. It has burned my tongue with hives and bitter red dots. Hence, I must speak. I must give the words life. Nothing can soothe me other than the violence of my words, the struggle with language, the struggle to find meaning. But where, where, where should I begin? With my great uncle, Juan. Hence, here is the story. Juan Henares is a ghost who is 112 years old. He came from Lucena, a pueblo the size of a pea outside of Cordoba. He came on the Heliopolis, the first ship to Hawaii that had to go back to port in Malaga because it was so poorly equipped. Though its maximum occupancy was supposed to be a 1,000 passengers, it carried him with another 3,891 Andalusian peasants who the Spanish state characterized in newspapers as shiftless dreamers due to their Moorish blood. The ship went back to port because the people were only fed bread and coffee brewed with seawater. There was not enough food. How did they fit 3,000 extra people on that ship? I cannot wrap my mind around it. The Honolulu newspapers called them human freight, white labor from the south of Spain to break up the Asian workforce. They were going to make them Americans, white Americans, good Americans. But in Hawaii, there were still whips and the workers were still charming. They never planned on staying. Someday they would return to Spain when there was enough money, but Franco, he changed that. I am an accident of history. Twenty years later, when Juan Hernandez gave himself to the Sacramento River, I wonder if his hat was tilted, drowning in the American dream. I have given him many names in my stories. Juan Granada, Johnny Pride, the Gitano Stagger Lee. He lives in all of us. His name was Juan. He was neither a conquistador or a friar. He was a Spaniard on Andalus, an indivisible immigrant whose history has been lost except for one photograph and a name that has been forgotten as a way to remember.
As I search through my heart to understand him, I can hear his suicide cries. I can hear him laughing because he is still here. His story has been repeated over and over again. Whenever we have been lost, whenever we have failed, whenever we have won, in the curse of his name, he has been there and said prayers for us all and laughs with me at the dream I struggled to believe in. Make them Americans, make them Americans, make them Americans, make them Americans. And that they did, that they did. They made my grandfather one of the first Hispanic general contractors on the Monterey Peninsula. They made my father a community activist and an affirmative action officer. They made my father's twin, my uncle, a teacher in the prisons working with the students society did not want. And they made me an American poet who is free to say, remember, remember, remember. My name is Marisa Thompson, and this poem is called Dear Mr. President. Dear Mr. President, this is a photo of me. I am holding a brown and white cat so that his back legs dangle and his skin wrinkles around his shoulders. But he doesn't seem to mind. He lets me hold him this way. I am eight years old. A newspaper man took this photo when I had been at the stopping house for two days in Chiapas. The people were very kind there. They gave me hugs and messed up my hair the way my uncles and cousins do. This was two weeks before I arrived in your country. I am not in the newspapers here. The adults here look like police except they stay here all the time and they yell at us. I count the number of boys in this cell. I don't know how many there are when we are standing up, but it is more crowded when we are lying down. We are waiting for our families to come. I hope my aunt comes soon. Sometimes, if we see the guards relax a little, we tell jokes and rhymes and laugh, and we see the stones in their faces soften out of the corner of our eyes. Then some of them yell a little less. Some of them speak in Spanish the way a bird walks around with one wing broken. I think it would be better if we understood each other. If you let us go to our families, we will be good. We will go to school and learn how to tell stories that make people happy like cats that let you hold them and trees and other growing things so that they smile instead of holding their faces still like walls. This poem is called Water Crossing. Where would you go if you had to run? Through the cane break, machete leaves that draw less blood than the lash. Run from those that steal children. Run. Would you wait in the water? Wait in the water, children. God's gonna trouble el agua, las fabricas, pockmarking the land like plantations. The two shirts on your back worth ten cents a day. Run on the snake back of a train. Burnish your footprints from the earth with leaves, from the sand with wool, because they are always behind you, smelling for your blood, your body they would pick from their teeth. Run, where would you go to find your mother? 
because they think you hold a different god on your tongue, run from the vice grips from the armies who twist bayonets in your womb, who forge hells of fire falling from the sky from bullets that blistered the walls like tracks of heroin needles on arms, where would you run to? What possible death would you choose? Would you dare to ask whatever angels for safe passage and water to cross? Would you set your compass, your eyes on a star tilting in your vision and run, 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 run? And if you could finally stop running, if your heart for a day, a week, a century pulled back from throttling your lungs and rested and rested and rested, would you still shroud your own face? Would you boil the seas to Lethe, clutch guns at the doorway? Or would you leave the door open, offer sweet water and maize to strangers at your hearth? My name is Norm Maddox, and the name of the piece is At Dusk, written from a patio in Havana. The murmurings of the neighborhood listening to una bulla, a cacophony of sounds, music, conversation, silverware against empty plates, the sound of content, full bellies, the same chattering sparrows recounting their day like no one is listening, only chirping, barking like dogs at the setting sun. What languages are we speaking? Dog? Bird, tree, human, breeze, motor, and English, all in Spanish? No matter. The earth knows only that it's time for the stars to have their say. Prayer, a poem by Rafael Manriquez, translated and narrated by Marci Valdivieso. of getting nowhere gives me nausea. The sense of being cast aside by those on top makes me so sad. My goddess God, grant me the inspiration to stay strong. Make me humble and honestly happy with what I live and achieve. It is more than enough to see and work with all my senses and glorious to know, to be thankful, to appreciate and share, and so foolish to feel defeated. My Goddess God, grant me the ability to be simple and not wish for grandeur. Grant me health, clarity, intelligence and courage. This I ask of you. My Goddess God, all this is within me and within each of us. The privilege of music and of poetry, it is so great. Grant me the ability to appreciate these without hopes nor dreams of greatness. I just want to continue living, finding these. I just want to follow my blessed voice, my music and my poetry and share them without ambition.
You've been listening to part two of our Poetry in Flight, Poesía en Vuelo. You've just heard the poetry of Rafael Jesús González, accompanied by Gerardo Marín, René Peñagadea, Jeannie Zakoff, Aurelia Lorca, Adrián Arias, Marissa Thompson, and Rafael Manriquez, with a translation by Marci Valdivieso, and accompanied by himself on guitar. by negating the votes of more than a million African Americans, Latinos, and Asian American voters. Talk about Russians all you want, but if we don't stop another purge, the 2018 midterm will be lost, along with democracy itself. This is Dennis Bernstein inviting you to a one-time-only screening of Greg Palace's new revised film, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, The Case of the Stolen Election. This happens at Grand Lake Theater, 3200 Grand Avenue in Oakland, Wednesday evening, April 18th, 7 p.m. Greg Palast will be there with me for a discussion following this masterpiece of investigative journalism, a KPFA benefit with wheelchair access. Tickets are at the local indie bookstores and brownpapertickets.com. See you April 18th at the Grand Lake Theater. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFP in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is just about 4 p.m. Stay tuned next for Hard Knock Radio.